Let me introduce these folks to you. Down there on the right, uh, we have Cliff and Gretchen Meinhart, and then Derek and Anna Abel, Gerald and Amy Monch, and uh, Michael and Kayla Davidson next to me here. Uh, I, I want you to hear their story. So I want, uh, first of all, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your story um, and how you're somehow connected to orphan care. And we'll start with you, Kayla, and just go down the row. Hi, my name's Kayla. Um, I was placed in foster care at the age of two, and I bounced in and out of different foster homes, living with my biological mother, um, who made a lot of really poor life choices um, that no kid should be exposed to. Um, when I was about 10, they found my biological father, who was living in Missouri. You're okay, go. Okay. Who was living in Missouri, which is how I wound up here, because I kind of lived on the West Coast before that lived here with his second and third wife, and then he started making some really poor life choices as well. So at 16, I got put back into foster care after living with him for a few years. And I was found myself sitting in a case manager's office being told I was going to a group home, which based on my life experience had not been good places, so I had, had a plan in my mind that I was gonna run away. We were walking out to the car, and this other social worker came running out after us and said, wait, did anyone think to call Bobby and Melissa Page? So we went back inside and my social worker called uh, Melissa on the phone and she said, well, I gotta call my husband, but I'll call you back. And they decided to take me in. Um, again, I was 16 and I didn't know it at the time, but that was God's plan for my life to be with them. My parent, my dad is actually a pastor and they just showed me God's grace and his love and accepted me and I became a part of their family. Awesome. I want to make sure you hear that, okay, because I think it's really important. She bounced around for 16 years in and out of, of foster homes and with different people and it was 16 before she found a couple who really took her in and loved her like their own and, and shared the gospel with her, not only by their words, but their lives. And it's changed not only her life, folks, but it's changed Kayla's eternity. At 16, that happened. I want you to, I want you to make a mental note of that. All right, great, thank you very much. Next. Gerald and I recently adopted our seven-year-old son, Aiden, out of the Missouri foster care system. We have one biological son, Jonah, he's nine years old, and we, both decided we were ready to grow our family, but we felt strongly called to adopt out of the U.S. foster care system. We didn't really consider any other adoption options like international or private adoption. We felt strongly that um, adopting out of foster care was what we were meant to do. And I reached that decision or I, I felt that calling long before Gerald did, several years before Gerald. And during that time, I just prayed about it and watched and, and waited and, and asked for God's help. And when Gerald was ready, he had, God had put a lot of pieces of our life in place, um, beautifully so, our work-life balance, our home life, and our outlook to the point where we just both felt so peaceful and so ready to share our blessings with another child, and that's what we did. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Derek, Anna? Well, my name is Derek, and this is my wife, Anna, and... Uh, I know for those of you who've been around a few years know a little bit about our adoption story, but for those who don't, um, we, we have two biological children. Their ages are seven and five. And a few years ago, um, as we were thinking about uh, kind of our family and next steps and that sort of thing, we, we both kind of um, felt led to uh, adopt. And we, 
um, did a lot of research and explored a lot of different ways of how that could look, um, whether it be through foster care or uh, domestic adoption or international. And through a lot of different circumstances, God just led us uh, to international adoption. And so we ended up uh, going through the uh, expensive and laborious process of international adoption. And um, luckily, my wife likes paperwork. She loves to fill, <laughs> fill in blanks and things because she got, I, I handed that off to her and she took that and ran with it. Um, but it, it was a long process, a couple of years, and we had to go through a couple of different agencies, just through some extraordinary circumstances, but God kind of saw us through all that, and we were able to bring our little Gideon home from Ethiopia uh, a little over a year and a half ago, or about a year and a half ago, and so that's, that's kind of how our, our adoption story in two minutes. <laughs> Good. All right. And I'm Gretchen, and this is my husband, Cliff, and for us, adoption was never a second choice for us. I began thinking about adoption when I was probably in middle school, about 13. Cliff grew with him and his sister when they were four and five. So that had been a really positive experience in his life. And fast forward until the time we'd been married about five years and hadn't happened to have any biological children. And we said, you know, this is probably the time that we should think about adopting. And so we chose to go through an agency, a crisis pregnancy center that some friends had worked with. And in 2001, we adopted our son, Rafe. We got to be there when he was born, which was exciting. And everything went pretty smoothly for about six weeks. And then when he was two months old, he started having some serious health issues. He has a genetic condition. He was having seizures and ended up having radical brain surgery when he was eight months old. And then when he was about two, we discovered that he needed to have chemotherapy. And so he was doing chemo for 14 months every single Friday. And we decided that in the midst of all that, that would be the perfect time for us to adopt again. <laughs> and <laughs> I think we were probably crazy, but no, it really was God's timing because Rafe's birth mom came to us. She was in similar circumstances, and she said, would you be interested in adopting another of my children? And so we thought about it overnight and said, sure. We you know, really felt like if there was going to be a brother or sister out there for Rafe, that we wanted to keep those two together. And it really was God's just way of putting our family together. Rafe and Gwen are just perfect for one another. They fight like normal siblings, but they really, really are perfect for one another. And we've had the added blessing of an open adoption and getting to know another part of our extended family that way. Great. Thank you very much. Appreciate you all. By the way, um, it's, it's hard to sit up in front of a group of people and, and, and talk and it's even harder to kind of be transparent and kind of share your life story. So I appreciate all these folks doing this today. Uh, for those of you who've adopted, what would you say, if you could hone it down to just a couple of sentences, what would you say is like the main reason that you decided to adopt? Gerald, Amy? <laughs> the main reason we decided we wanted to grow our family, but we felt the, the really strong calling to help a child that was in need and to adopt out of the the foster care system. Okay, so you just felt like, like a call of God to just do it. We did. Okay, great. Thank you. Derek, Anna? 
Uh, we're pretty similar. We just really felt like God was calling us to do that. And then we even, I remember when Derek, I was there before Derek was, Derek took a little longer to agree to that. But um, I remember when he finally was like, yeah, let's get started. He, he quoted that verse that we talked about in James last week. And he was like, you know, we know we're supposed to do it. So now it would be a sin if I didn't. And just a very, we just felt really strongly called to it. Great. Okay, good. Boy, you preach even at home, don't you? That's awesome. That's good. That's, <laughs> that's good, Derek. That's a good thing. All right. Cliff? Yeah, and for us, I mean, it, it, ditto. Uh, we, you know, felt God's calling uh, upon us to do that. But at the same time, we just really felt like uh, there was a need in this country uh, to do, some, do something. Um, there's, you know, there's so much uh, need for adoption. There's, there's so we, we see it all the time. We see it everywhere we go. Uh, but there's, there, it was just really tugging. God was really tugging on our hearts to do that. So, Good. All right. Thank you very much. So same folks. How, how can the church help you as parents who've adopted? I mean, how can we best partner with you, help you, come alongside you, support you, whatever? How can we best bless your life? The thing that stands out to me, having gone through it, um, is the access to resources. These children come out of the foster care system with a lot of needs, and not all of those needs are satisfied by the school district. Some are and some aren't. I'm talking about things like counselors, psychiatrists, services like that. And for us to explore those kinds of service providers, it was a brand new world for us, especially up here. We haven't lived in the Northland very long. So for folks like us who are going through that, or we're going through that, um, to the extent that you know those kinds of services, have personal relationships, know p people you trust, um, those kinds of referrals are very, very important, valuable. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Derek, Anna? Can you repeat the question? Sure. How, how can we as the church we, best help you as good, parents? Yeah, so, you know, Anna and I, from going through the process of, of adopting with, with our church family, um, you know, it, we... I can just cite many, many examples of just your love and support uh, that many of you showed to us during the process. It was, you know, kind of a scary process to go through, a lot of unknowns, a lot of those kinds of things that um, we, we just didn't have answers for or didn't know what, what the next step was or where it would lead and those sorts of things. And you guys were, um, through prayer supports, through, through helping us uh, raise funds and through all of that. So I think your participation in that was, was huge. Uh, for, for many of you that, that were here during that time. And then and even since then, um, I, I think just your, your patience with us um, as adoptive parents, you know, bringing, bringing children in to, into families that, um, and these kids have just experienced a lot of trauma. Um, it, it's, it's really hard for them to, to adjust and it's really hard for, for even us as parents to adjust to, to parenting them. And, and so I think um, one way that you can really help is just by being patient and and, and I mentioned this in the first service, so I'll mention it briefly again, but I think she, she gave me, she said no. All right, so I'll let her mention it. I would say grace. <laughs> I think there's some moments where we're not always our best parenting selves. And um, I think we might've shamed the last service. We don't mean that we haven't gotten grace from you guys. <laughs> no, no, no. I feel like everyone's been very patient and very loving, but there's just, um, it's, dif it's different for us even as parents. Great, thank you. Well, I, you know, we adopted some time ago and uh, we weren't living in the Kansas City at the time, but our, our church family uh, back in Salina, Kansas, where 
where we were um, really <laughs> helped us throughout uh, the process. I mean, there there was just all kinds of, uh, you know, prayers is one thing, but uh, tangible things like uh, food. And uh, th when you're adopting, um, there's a lot going on. It, there's a lot going on if you're giving birth as well, uh, obviously. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes th things. There's countless, countless hours of paperwork. There's um, preparing your home. You have to, uh, you know, you have to meet... Uh, certain search workers uh, guidelines and there's just so many other things that are involved with all of it plus the meeting you have to travel down there so travel expenses to go meet the family and just so many arrangements that are needed to be made so there was so much time that we didn't have to do all the other little things so I mean there was all kinds of things our church family stepped up to help us with but just the encouragement and the support that we we got through the whole thing was was it was just huge uh, just a blessing. That's great. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Kendall, let me ask you a question. What do you think is the best way that the church can love and support and encourage uh, adopted children in our congregation? For me, it was the fact that uh, my church family at the time really accepted me into my parents' family. There wasn't really any questioning about why I was there and where I came from. And there was just a lot of love and respect. And I wasn't really treated any differently and I wasn't treated like a criminal, which happens a lot for kids that are in the foster care system. Um, people treat you like you've done something wrong, and it is something that you harbor with you for a really long time. But my church family just, they loved and they embraced me, and they, they didn't question why I was there. And how do you think that has changed, not only your year 16 to 18, but how do you think that has changed now for your future? Um, it's really affected my adult life. Um, it's made me more receptive to trusting people and letting people into my life. It has definitely affected me long-term as far as like me being able to have a healthy marriage with my husband, and it's given me hope for the fact, because we're expecting our first child, um, the fact that I can be a good parent, not only because of the love that my parents modeled for me, but the love that my church family you know, just kind of encased in me. Awesome, thank you very much. So one more question for all of you. What do you think are some of the biggest needs in the area of or orphan care, like around us, um, that you see in our culture uh, that we can, we can participate in? Um, just based on my personal story and the work that I do for a living, it's uh, real, realizing and remembering that not all orphans are infants or little children. Like for me, I, you know, I was, a, I was a teenager and there are so many you know, teenagers that are in the foster care system that have been, you know, overlooked that are going to age out with absolutely no support. And these are location or open a bank account and we expect them to be functioning, successful members of society. So for me, it's being a support for the older kids and being able to mentor and just offer them guidance and love because that's a very pivotal point to catch them before they're out on their own without anything. Okay. And, I, and I know for some of us who've been kind of this this mindset where we've heard, you know, uh, adopting a child is $20,000 or $30,000 or whatever. Uh, mostly that's uh, infants because that cost isn't really there for uh, fostering teens, is it? No, and it's actually a very quick process because, I mean, there's not really a whole lot of roadblocks at that point in that child's life. Awesome. Okay, great. Thank you. Gerald, Amy, what do you think? 
I would say the, the awareness of it, the fact that it exists even right in our backyards. And so understanding there are a lot of wonderful nonprofits that are available to support that provide care for kids that are homeless or teenagers that are couch surfing in different, um, different ways that they can be supported either with items that they need or small monetary donations. Every amount means a lot. And for those, you, now you know us, all of us who have adopted, and um, we could use your prayers. Prayers for success, prayers for bonding, prayers for the future of our children, and um, that, that makes a huge difference in our peace and well-being, knowing that we're being prayed for. Great, thank you. Derek, Anna? Um, as far as some, some needs, I, I think, you know, you see some on like a global level um, with, you know, in Africa and some of these uh, third world countries and things, you, they're just such a great need um, of fatherlessness and children that need, need families. Um, I, I think that's one aspect. You can get involved in that in a lot of different ways. And, you know, kind of getting involved in orphan prevention is one way of getting involved in orphan care because you want to prevent orphans from getting into the situation. So whether that's, you know, sponsoring a child through Compassion International, you know, donate, you know giving money and kind of connecting with somebody's story that way or um, just being somebody to, to a kid in your community. Um, I think, um, you know, with the, the older kids and, and even you may know, you know, they may not be true orphans. Maybe, maybe they're living in a, in a home with a single parent. Uh, maybe you know some in your neighborhood and, and you can kind of be there as a support and, and just kind of play a role in a child's life to, to help show them love in, in a lot of different ways, all the way from just being a mentor uh, and a consistent presence in somebody's life to adopting them into your family. So a lot of different ways to, to do that. Yeah, I wanted you to hear an important thing he just said there, folks. If we can be involved uh, before a child becomes an orphan, if we can somehow uh, be involved in orphan prevention, uh, uh, help, help families, help moms, single moms, uh, single dads, help families keep their kids that are struggling, if we can do that, we can prevent those kids from becoming orphans, which lessens the need for orphan care. So let's not forget about... Uh, you know, kind of the early on stages before they actually become orphans. I think that's a great thing to think about. Great point. And I would just kind of echo what the others have said as far as investing in children's lives, uh, whether they're adopted or whether they're not. They're going to need support from the time they're little all the way through until they're adults. And we have many wonderful people here in the church who invest in children in the children's ministry, um, the ones, you know, our youth leaders, those things are really important and wonderful opportunities. They can use uh, volunteers to help, wonderful opportunities to invest in children who maybe they're adopted, maybe they just come from, you know, a single parent, wherever they're at, just many opportunities to invest in children's lives. Great. Hey, uh, before we finish today, I want you to give these folks a hand for sharing their stories with us. The reason we saved this for Orphan Sunday and the reason that, that kind of the church makes a big deal about Orphan Sunday is because all of us are really required by the word of God to be involved in orphan care. Now listen, God's not gonna call all of us to adopt. God's not gonna call all of us to foster. We, we know that. But if you've been thinking about that, if you've been praying about that, you've been really strongly considering that, and you're just afraid to cross the line, I hope today will encourage you to say, I'm calling Monday. We're gonna cross the line. We're gonna adopt. We're gonna foster. We're gonna start the process of doing that. 
But for the rest of us, if you're not called to adopt or to, to foster and you don't feel, maybe you weren't even thinking about orphan care or you never think about orphan care, I want you to really think about it now. I want you in your community groups this week to talk about how you're going to specifically be involved in orphan care. We've got some resources out on the table in the foyer. Uh, there's like 15, 20 different ways. I think there's a thing in your bulletin. There's 15 ways to, to get involved in orphan care. And so, uh, you know, I just, I want to encourage you folks, just because we don't adopt doesn't mean hands off. I don't have to worry about it. Somebody else will take care of that. God says, if our relationship with him is real, if our religion is real, we will be involved in taking care of widows and taking care of orphans and living a righteous. So I want to encourage you, uh, really, to think about how you can personally uh, be involved in the care of orphans. Before we're dismissed today, I want you to watch a short video, and then, Pastor Derek, if you'll close us in a word of prayer. Thank you for being here with us. My child, you are my work of art. My hands have molded you from birth. But my heart aches. I see my children who are hurting. They're cast aside like worthless clay. I long to restore, heal, and make beautiful. Will you join me? My hands will guide yours. There is much to do and much joy to find. Don't be surprised when my children mold you. I work in their lives through you and in your life through them. come to you uh, this morning and uh, God we just we, we thank you um, for your heart uh, for the fatherless uh, God we thank you for the love um, that you have shown to each one of us and, and
And God, I, I pray that you would just reveal ways in each of our lives that, that we can take our next step uh, in caring uh, for, for the orphans, uh, for the needy, for the widows uh, around us, God. We, we, we see uh, the need, and God, sometimes it's overwhelming to, to know what to do, uh, and uh, God, we, but we uh, trust that you will show us, you will guide us, and God, I pray that we'll encourage one another uh, in this effort and as we seek to really just show love to, to those around us. Um, God, we, we love you and thank you and look forward to uh, you just working in and through us continually. And it's in your son's name we pray, amen.